0: Hi, this is Dr. Shannon Wong Lerner, host of The Intersection, where diverse folks converse. Created by and for queer people of color and gender non conforming people, The Intersection is curated side by side with some of the most brilliant and fascinating minds in our community. I create these programs keeping in mind all of the things that aren't said and all of the things that we aren't able to talk about within heterosexual and cisgendered produced shows. In the intersection, you'll find firsthand what the leading voices of our community are thinking, the work they're producing, the concerns they have, and what they hope for us and what they leave behind in their legacy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, my name is Dr. Shannon Wong-Lerner, and you're here with The Intersection, Diverse Folks Converse. You're here with season two, episode three. The title of our episode is Why I Won't Give Up on Anyone, How to Create Unlikely Queer Straight Coalitions During the Holidays. And we're here with our special guest that we're so pleased to have, Steve Peterson, who's the founder of Bursting Through Movement. He's the host and facilitator of Bursting Through Stories and the creator of the Bursting Through Storytelling process. Hi, Steve. We're so happy to have you here today. Hi, Dr. Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. So typically, this is the time where we talk just a little bit about how we came to this topic and sort of like our mutual investment in- Talking about what we're going to talk about today, and so we came to this topic because uh, I was really interested in Steve's work with bursting through, and this idea that that there's a that there is a bridge or there's a transition that's happening between queer and straight people was really exciting to me. You know, I've been someone who throughout my life, in you know whether it's the corporate world or whether it's in academia, has been surrounded with people who I always hope to be allies of mine and and sometimes were and sometimes weren't. Yeah. But I always wish that there was this conversation that, that could be uh, had between me and other queer people, other people of color and the people around me who potentially could be allies. And I feel like Steve is really working hard to bridge that gap. Uh, did you want to say anything sort of about how we came to this topic? yeah and i mean that was so very well said and that is there's
1: so many things you said that are right there in the you know the core of bursting through and you know really it's about it's about that shared humanity bursting through is about that shared humanity and it's interesting whether you're talking like professional relationships or personal relationships it's like we just don't talk about them and like i came from the corporate world too it's like i spent 27 years you know in you know, corporate retail, some huge, huge companies. And, you know, it's like there's diversity and inclusion departments or diversity departments, you know, that are incredibly well-intentioned, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like they're in in the time that we're in now and like the 2020s, it's like mm-hmm. it's not enough just to have like a picnic or a pride day or, sure. you know, it's like those things are great, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like. Let's let's have a conversation about how we can function better as a team. And that's not about going to happy hour.
0: Yeah. And I also think, you know, there's something that can be said about bursting through and it's creativity. You know, when I think about my own time in uh, different environments, like when I got my, my master's degree and I was teaching in an engineering university, it was primarily, you know, uh, white men from sometimes I was the only woman or the only person of color in the room. And I had to figure out also like, how do I, how do I teach some of these concepts that have to do with diversity and inclusion in a way that will cross over to what is known and lived for my audience, essentially. And the reason why, you know, we had the title of like, not giving up on anyone. I was actually thinking about it on the way here in my car. And I was thinking about you know, sometimes I have these like very difficult interactions with people, <clears throat> whether it's personal or whether it's professional. And there is an instinct and kind of a knee jerk reaction to just sort of be like, you know, and I've heard this before, like that is a garbage person, right? So which is, I guess, sort of an insult to people that take out garbage. Or yeah. But like this idea that like this person should be thrown away right. because it's it's too difficult to navigate. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, one of the many values of what you do is that you don't have that attitude. Right. And and we're going to talk more about sort of like your positionality that affords you to be able to do this work. I think for now, I'd really love, you know uh, as a starting place, just to hear about what is the mission of bursting through organization that maybe you can just explain to us like a, a, a short synopsis of that.
1: Yeah. And I will, I, I would, I will do that, but I do want to just comment on something that you just said. Um, when we talk about like, to use that term, like garbage, you know, person. Mm-hmm. And, and I do want to be really clear that it's like the bursting through talks, talks and talks to the straight community as much, if not more than the queer community. Yes. And so that's something
0: I definitely want to talk about yeah. too, because yeah. I think that's fascinating as yeah. well.
1: But, yeah. You know, so so i mean so many things going on um you know ultimately bursting through's goal is to create the largest library of course rate relationships <laughs> ever known to man and you know once that library exists and that's what we're starting to do by gathering these stories and putting them out there you know through every media channel uh, we have um you know it's like it just our shared humanity becomes undeniable and you know, Bursting Through has a um, and I have a ongoing column in um, Las Vegas Pride magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. Which publishes every couple months. Um, and, you know, and I'm very, very proud of that. But, you know, ultimately, I feel the Bursting Through does its best work when it's picked up and published, you know, in more mainstream publications. Like I grew up in Iowa and the Des Moines Register has been incredibly kind.
0: In looking like the enemy, becoming an ally, Steve Peterson and I talk about what it's like to come across someone who is an unlikely ally because of the way they look. And our response to them as queer people of color and gender nonconforming people, and how they might better come across to be perceived in a more friendly way. This is a really good start to this episode because it starts to break apart. The misconceptions that we might have about one another that stops us from creating these alliances and coalitions between queer and straight people, between people of color and white people, between cisgender people, and gender nonconforming and so on, enjoy section focuses on uh, queer people of color, gender nonconforming people. And so, uh, you know, when I brought you on, I w- really was thinking about that. It's like, how does this straight or this queer straight alliance, these relationships, these stories, how can this help, you know, queer people of color and gender non-conforming people? And one, one piece that you brought to me that was really interesting, and you had said this in a previous conversation is... You know, a lot of people now that are sort of on the alt-right have a different way of dressing. I don't know what it was like. Where were you brought up?
1: I grew up in rural
0: Iowa. Oh, you did? Okay. So I don't know where I was brought up in Sacramento. There were actually neo-Nazis in full regalia, just like walking down the street for a while until they got driven out by this other group called Sharp Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice. So Then they got driven out, right? But the interesting thing to me is that, you know, that's highly offensive. I remember there was like a skinhead in my social studies class and right. I actually made him cry. That's when I realized I had this <laughs> I had this ability to engage in this way. Um, I did it out of love, though, because I had known him before he got into that group. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that, you know, in our time, and I'm not sure what it was like when you, where you were brought up. But in terms of subcultures and things like that, things were out in the open in a different way, right? And the costume was very, you know, obvious. It's like, okay, you are a neo-Nazi, you it may or may not have like the swastika, you have the shaved head and, you know, you're wearing the whole thing right now. The flight jacket, the, you know, Doc Martens with the white laces or red laces, right. Um But now there's like a different costume, right? It's like the khaki pants and the polo shirt. And I remember you made this comment that really stuck with me in terms of storytelling and and a vivid image that you had kind of looked in the mirror and you were like, oh my God, I look like one of them, right? But you're not, obviously. But there's something really interesting there for me when you said that. I was like, so Steve, you know, Steve knows who he is. You know, you have this whole background with like Fortune 500s as an advertising and immediate person and um you know you come from this whole other world and you're able to communicate to people in a different way than perhaps me or someone else who does diversity equity inclusion and focuses maybe on allyship but there there is less of a focus on um you know kind of like talking to straight people like there is a benefit in that for all of us i'd love to hear you know, your thoughts on that, or even that moment when you looked at the mirror, you were like, oh my God, I look like one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you had to come to terms with that and figure out like, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's, that's really interesting and it's good that you remembered that. Um, okay. So in, when, when Trump got elected, um, I was living in, in San Francisco. I had just moved from New York. Right. And you know, like like many you know gay people or queer people, it's like you know that was you know not a not a fun fun night for us, right? Sure. Okay, yeah. but it's like you know so I I immediately kind of turned to it's like what can I do? We're searching, right?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I was and, too.
1: <laughs> you know, so it's like so I you know tried to find some um, substantial thing and I joined a couple groups and I joined. uh you know the Love Army, which is uh, you know, and out, you know out out in the Bay area, and anyway, one day, and I, and and when I look in the mirror, I mean, I see me, but it's like I see a wounded gay man. Yeah, right? I see a damaged gay soul, right? Mm. And so I, for the longest time, I didn't see anything but that. Yes, and and one day I was in there. I am in. Um, and I was out running errands one afternoon like one Saturday afternoon it was right after all this happened with the election and there had been a lot of you know chatter and groups about like how to identify as a safe person and I'm like well I don't need that I'm, I'm Steve I'm gay yes, you know sure. right and so I'm like out walking on the street and I see I'm like walking up a hill because it's San Francisco and I see some women that were you know of, of of uh, Muslim faith, you know, in you know, mm-hmm. in, and and they had sought, they noticed me, and they crossed the street.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I
1: happened to be kind of in a you know, like how storefronts have reflective surfaces. Sure. Over, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're scared of
0: me. Yeah,
1: I'm like a six foot V white dude.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: And even though, like, even though I'm not dressed, like, I'm not—I don't have the uniform. I'm not in khakis and a golf shirt. Sure. You know? um, but to them, is all the same. And so I'm like, okay, what was that? Safety pins? Safety pins so that you're saying? Yeah. And I went into Walgreens and bought a big bucket of safety pins. And- you know, started putting them on everything. And, and I know a lot has happened since then, but it's like, that was a really enlightening moment for me. Cause I was like, I really realize, I think that was the beginning of my journey of realizing that the package that I'm in yes. is nothing but dumb luck and genetics.
0: Yeah. It's had so, yeah. It's so interesting you say that. Actually, the episode we did right before yours, uh, which was with Dr. Karma Chavez, we actually talked about the exact thing you're talking about with an art piece that was about miscegenation and someone looking genetically at their Blackness as compared to a lot of other white people's Blackness genetically. And and this uh, artist, uh, Adrian Piper, had kind of turned it back To them or to, you know, basically to white people. And like, if this is true, if genetically we are the same, you know, it questions what race is itself and identity, then what are you going to do about it? And I remember that's something that you had brought up too with the, um, it seemed like it's, it sounds like even though you sit, you kind of your internalized side of this wounded you know, gay man is that you also recognize that to someone else who comes from a marginalized background, that's different than yours, they see something else. Cause they don't know. Right. right. They're like scared of you. Right. And so there is that questioning of like, you know, putting the, using a responsibility you didn't know you had. Right. Yeah. And then also, I think the way you treat potential straight allies In that same way you put that responsibility back on them can you talk a little bit more about that of some dei uh projects or, or uh efforts is that it puts it back on people of color puts it back on queer people and, it, and then there's a separation of like them and other, right? And yeah. rather than putting the obligation, the responsibility on all of us to act. Yeah.
1: I have always in the retail world, in the fashion world, I have always worked for women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, almost exclusively, uh, you know, with a few notable exceptions, but, you know, and it's like in New York at uh, one time, somebody, um, a female executive I expressed concern that she was scared of me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> why? And it's like, you know, and I was like, that was shocking too. And I had to look at myself and it's sure. like, okay, well, I guess my size can be intimidating. I didn't think about that, you know, yeah. but um, anyway, I'm totally off topic, but the, you know, it's like the, the responsibility, too. It's like you know, looking in the mirror and like putting myself up front out front. and it's like in realizing that, you know, I have I have some skills and I have this unique ability to be able to story tell, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm packaged in a way that I can get multiple different groups to listen. Right? yes
0: you're about midway through the intersection. Diverse Folks Converse Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to let you know why I created The Intersection. It was because I didn't see a lot of representation of the most brilliant and creative minds in our communities. All I saw were misrepresentations in popular culture and the media. So I wanted to provide a free and accessible outlet for us all to enrich our lives, and to provide meaning for the things that we experience every single day. None of us get paid for the intersection, and this is not an income-generating endeavor for any of us. We do this because we want to add to our culture and we want to add to your lives. So we just ask that you participate as well and contribute to us through... Subscribing to our channel and and leaving reviews and telling your friends and telling the community, put it up on web boards, sh- share it in social media, tell people about us, but really subscribing, adding the reviews to Dr. Shannon Wong Learner's YouTube channel, which houses the intersection to the intersection on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is really the best way to let other people know about us, and to help us increase our visibility so we can increase yours. Thank you so much. And you can now return to the show. And thank you for listening. In this next section, it's past time for straight people to come out as allies. Steve and I talk all about the very specific ways that straight people need to think about, not just themselves, but the way in which queer people navigate this world and the ways in which they have more agency than they think to help us. Enjoy. Maybe you could tell me a story about uh some people you've reached and actually we can we can even refer to the article too because oh, sure yeah because something that I thought was really interesting you know you see this happening a lot of time on Facebook or different social medias people will say that their birthday or for weddings people say instead of giving them gifts they want you to donate to these different foundations right and so you did something very similar is that you had a party with uh, your 50th birthday and then you had a fundraiser for the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which is wonderful. But there was also this sort of like a call to action in this article for straight people to kind of like, and you, we've spoken about this too before, and I'd love for the for our audience and our listeners to hear more about it, to kind of uh, put it on the line of like, you know, and I saw a meme on this recently. It's like, if you say you love me, but then you just supported someone who hates me right? or is trying to annihilate me or annihilate my rights. And you've kind of said that too, is you'll like confront people. You're able to do that. People who are your friends or your family or, you know, allies to a certain degree, but they don't kind of go all the way with it. There's no follow, there's not that follow through. And and you give some, some very simple ways in the article for people to, um, you know, give back. But I also think like a conversation we had that I thought was really interesting and it was hard for me. I struggled with it, but that's why I have my guests on is I want (laughs) to struggle, you know, and for the audience to struggle and maybe for you to struggle as we're talking about these things, as you were talking about. And that's why we said like you don't give up on anyone. That's part of the title is that you had said that you there were some people who are like these like. Bro, dudes, or whatever you want to call them, who would say to each other like, "Oh, that's gay," or you know, or yeah. maybe even use like the word "fag" or something like that. And you're like, "Hey, you can't say that." And they're like, "Oh, it doesn't mean that. It just, it's just yeah. what we say." It's like, "No, you really can't say that." And just the simple act of making them aware that they can't do that and that they stop or they stop this crossover, this homophobia, misogynist thing, right? Yeah. Like calling someone a, a a bitch or so I don't know like that's a to me that's a homophobic thing too yeah and yeah it was triggering for me because I was like I would have a hard time being around those people but at the same time I probably have you know like when I worked in the engineering school or in other situations I probably Mm have and I there were ways that I dealt with it but the idea that you're causing change at that level to me is really fascinating and I'm wondering if maybe you could talk about like, what are the levels of actionable steps that you give people and how can you tell what they are? And what do you think the benefit is of giving that? Like for people like me or, or my audience who are queer people of color and gender nonconforming people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. So gonna I know. Sorry. I'm going to unpack it for a little bit. So sure. um, first, so one of the ways or the way that this kind of came about, I came to this conclusion of starting to talk to people in this way Mm -hmm. was one of the things that bursting through was missing. And I was, I was developing and I was already like a published columnist and, you know, getting some traction as a storyteller, but was a, for lack of a better word, a manifesto. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a manifesto. Right. It was like, what person is going to do? and, So the title of it was called is past time for straight people to come out and it talks very, and it's because it's a 500 word opinion piece. And I, you know, so, you know, it gets right to the heart of it. And, you know, it basically says, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a gay man. Um, you know, you could easily not know me. You could easily not have me in your life, you know, um, You know, um, but that is not, you know, that that cannot be my experience with the straight community. Um, And then it goes on to talk about how 55% of the adult straight population in the United States identifies as a queer ally, as an Mm -hmm. LGBTQ ally. And that was really enlightening to me because I'm like, okay, then I'm going to talk to them. Because... Mm -hmm. Because I think because they need to do more. Yeah, that's great. You know, Mm -hmm. and and also, okay. So if we're 5.6 of the adult population identifies as queer, if 55% of the adult population identifies as a queer supporter, and I am by no means good at math, that's 60 some percent. Yes. Okay, but yet it's 2021, and there's been more anti-LGBTQ laws passed in this country than in any other year in the history of this country.
0: And and We're- many of those are transgender too.
1: Yeah. But, but it's like, but it just doesn't add up. Sure. And so like part of my personal journey, which is, you know, can't be untied from bursting through is, you know, is living this uh, authentic life and, and no longer being able to accept people who say yes and do no. Yes. Right. So how so, do you
0: how do you break that down for them because politics can get very abstract and people get confused and people want to say the right thing but maybe they don't really think it how do you kind of put them on the line so that it can be actionable for them so in here, a way that is manageable for them yes yeah, right? so
1: here, here's what i here's what i do and it's like and bursting through is never intended to be political it's about storytelling sure but unfortunately
0: but I mean, just talking we're about right. queerness yeah, is very political you're for right some people. I don't it yeah, it, so
1: you can't, you know, you can't separate the two. But that being said, it's like when you know, I I basically bursting through is about giving people easy to digest information and not telling them what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like you were saying, and I've said this to you. Um, there are bursting through members that would identify self-identify everywhere from redneck to sure. woke and everything in between. And that is, you know, that is awesome and that's amazing to me. And I am nothing but honored about that. But so there's a lot of, there are a lot of conservative people in my life who yeah. say they love me and whether, and sometimes there are people I grew up with, Sometimes there are people I, you know, collected along the way, um, you know, and and totally believe in support, believe in support gay marriage and queer rights and, you know, marriage equality and everything, you know, but yet vote conservative. Mm -hmm. And what Bursting Through does and what I can do is, again, I'm not telling anybody what to do or what, how they should vote or what they should believe. But what I'm doing is I'm giving them simple, easy to digest facts, like there's been more <laughs> anti-LGBTQ laws passed, and and also explaining that
0: what that does to people too. Right. Probably and there
1: was a time, and certainly in my age group and in my lifetime, there was a time where you could say something like, "I'm a fiscal conservative, but I'm a social liberal." Sure, sure that time has passed yeah and and i and people of my generation and my age there's a lot of them that still want to say that right yeah i'm sure okay but what what bursting through does through this power of storytelling and you know and also it's like social media graphics and stuff is also storytelling is gives them these little easy to digest facts where it's like that's just no longer the case i mean there's two major political parties in the country and one has a pro-queer platform and one has an anti it's just that simple yeah and
0: I remember a time when people could say that more freely that economic conservative socially or fiscally yeah. and then socially liberal right um something you know that I heard recently is that the country is going much more toward a sort of populist nationalist, Uh, There was a wave of it, right? And that's, I think, how Trump got elected in the first place. When that happened, I remember I was sitting in my living room and it was like surreal. Like I couldn't believe it happened, but it created a shift in me because I also realized that all my friends and I, and probably most of the people I know, we were living under this horrible bubble, right? In this echo chamber because I was... Uh, more of an active academic at the time and just thinking like all the years I spent teaching, even though I feel like I have a pretty open, you know, style and method that is inclusive of everyone, including people who don't think like me. uh, But I started to really think about it, like the way we're teaching them, the curriculum, um, you know, I was like, we failed. That's what that was my feeling. It was this huge heartache and this kind of drop in my stomach. I was like, all this time I've been spending as a wordsmith within academia and the theory and all this, you know, philosophy and the humanities, I felt like I had failed because it didn't cross over. And there was a group of people that that were so dissatisfied and disconnected from how we were teaching in academia or wherever that they had to go through these classes that they turned to trump right yeah. and um it made me think a lot about that's one reason why i'm so interested in bursting through and what you do too is because um you know and it's one of the reasons why i took a step back from academia is like i want to make more of a difference within my community but in a way that is accessible to everyone Right. And it seems like you make LGBTQIA and you make queerness and our rights and our needs and the kind of humanism accessible.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I am trying and thank you. That's a big compliment. And I. One of the things and, you know, because, you know, bringing up, you know, Trump, my first um, published article is called The Love of Hate. Mm -hmm. It's also um, bursting through in Steve's uh, keynote, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's many, you know, many things that bursting through can do um, in, uh, in person, but it's like, that's the most powerful one, in my opinion. And the love of hate is, it's a term that I've always lived with that I thought was common. And then I was told that, Perhaps (laughs) Perhaps <laughs> it was something that I made up. Um, but so the love of hate is that look that the hater gets in their eyes when they're having that joy of hating you mm. and telling you they don't that they that that you should not exist in their world, that you mm. should not exist in any world. Yeah, and they, if there's glee in their eyes. And so.
0: Sounds like, terrifying. <laughs> it sounds really you know, scary like, to if, me. <laughs> if you
1: were in. I'm sure you've seen it. Like if it was a TV show or something. Like yeah, you know, or a movie, it would be that moment that you know the demon's eyes flash. It sounds
0: like blue how blue. a serial killer is when they kill, or a sociopath, or something. And it's like, and I'm not
1: making it. Well, I mean, it is. I've seen. I've seen the look. But what, where love the love of hate article takes in the keynote and the journey is that it's like it starts with talking about how as queer people we have this ability to take that hate and turn it back in and recycle it into love but it goes on to talk about the first time i experienced the love of hate Mm. and you know i saw it you know i saw it through all you know junior high school through all of high school you know um you know the first time i felt real danger of it was You know, being at a kegger, you know, and having one of those love of hate people who loved catching me out on the road on my own. And I was pretty sure, you know, I was going to get my fag ass beaten. Yeah. You know, luckily somebody kind of came by and it was a friend of my brother's who was kind of tough and just said, leave him alone, you know, and ended the whole thing. But, but, but the journey and the reason I talk about love of hate. And why it relates to Trump is that it's like, as my life changed and, you know, I grew up and my career took off and all of this stuff, and I moved to bigger places and bigger cities, you know, I I started seeing the love of hate less, Mm. right? And I guess to some degree, you know, I, you know, turned my love of hate radar way down. I don't think I ever turned it off so one day I'm in Manhattan, right? In my little, great little studio apartment in Midtown East. And I turn on the TV and this is, you know, during the primaries and they're like showing a Trump rally. Yeah. And they're talking to his supporters and every single person they talked to had the love of hate in their eyes. Yeah. Right. They like, they were so gleeful and joyful talking to this reporter about you know how they don't like hispanics and immigrants sure you know i mean there was nothing off limits and they were having a great time yeah and that was another like huge moment of clarity for me where i was like
0: can i ask you something i i I hope it's okay. Yeah, of course. Do you think it's really the hate or do you think it's just being part of a conversation? That was kind of the feeling I had like when I was disappointed. I was like, we have been leaving people out of the conversation. Like my friends and I in academia and as professors or instructors, like there's a fraction of people that are just like, F you. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't want to understand. I don't think like that. I don't speak like that. I'm not talking about diversity equity stuff most right now or Mm. critical race. I'm talking about just like language and like trying to speak a certain way. That's I'm curious about that because I feel like there's been a huge group of people who have been left out of the conversation. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I'm curious if that's where that might come from is like the joy of just being able to narrate something, the joy yeah. of being able to connect, to relate, to have community, um, to come out, even if it's like very bigoted, just to be able to like yeah. have that conference, you know, cause Trump did empower people to do that. Right. To be bigoted.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, no, it's like on that, I don't, I do not think that, It is about their pain of being left out because this way predates you know me experiencing love and hate way predates anything trump related and and there's a look in the eye and you know i might be making it a little more dramatic but it's not but it's not i mean it's like there's a look that you can see in people's eyes when they are when they hate you and they're okay with it
0: I mean, I've seen that look. I don't want to go into detail. <laughs> I've seen that look on a personal basis, like having an argument with a partner and you feel like someone's going to hit someone and it's yeah. really scary. Um, and I think I'm I'm relating to it at that level. Yeah. I'm not sure about um, what you're talking about in terms yeah. of, I guess, like...
1: Yeah. See, because it's like,
0: I understand what you're saying, that that there are some
1: people who feel like they've been left out of the conversation and some of us are, you know, talking over them and, you know, the flyover state thing and, you know, all of that. But it's like, but I come from there. Sure. You know, and, you know, it's like, I also think there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that it's like, I I think that it, I think that what you're talking about is that, For me, anyway, it's about their fears were being played on. And that's different than what I'm talking about. And
0: they were being manipulated. So maybe that's something different. Because it's
1: like, I remember, like, Iowa was one of the first, uh, one of the first few states to um, uh, legalize same-sex marriage before it was um, national, you know, and which is very progressive, right? Um, You know, because... And I do truly believe and I don't know all the analytics or statistics, but I truly believe that a lot of that is because Iowa and places in the Midwest and rural places are very much um, founded on this principle of live and let live. But But to me, it's like somewhere along the lines, live and let live, like conservative right wing conservative groups took live and let live and made people fearful of it. Meaning that it's like, Mm. you know, that meme that goes around a lot about like, you know, somebody else's somebody else having civil rights is not less for you. It's not pie. Yeah. I convinced people that, you know, gay marriage was, you know, people, people started out with, well, live and let live. Right. and, Then it turned into making them scared of live and let live because that was infringing on what, on your life somehow. I don't know. That is just a theory and we might be a little,
0: I think we're getting a little off topic. That's okay. I just want to thank Steve Peterson as our special guest for episode three of season three. And the title of our episode is Why I Won't Give Up on Anyone, How to Create Unlikely Queer Straight Coalitions During the Holidays. And thank you so much. Uh, Please look at YouTube and look at our description for uh, Steve's links for bursting through. And also, I want to mention, please subscribe. And please like on YouTube and your various podcast channels, The Intersection Diverse Folks Converse, because it helps with our visibility. We also have a GoFundMe page for production costs only. Uh, The Intersection... Diverse Folks Converse is a not for profit project for queer people of color and gender non conforming people. And so we welcome your help to help us with our production costs. Neither Steve or I or anyone on the intersection who appears as a guest or host will receive any of these funds. They go purely to production costs. Thank you again, Steve, so much for having, for coming on and just spending some time with us. Thanks
1: for inviting me and talking and I always enjoy your company and we got off on a tangent or two, That's okay. it's okay. It's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Steve, we'll see you soon. Thanks, all right, take care. You've just finished an episode of the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse podcast. I'm so happy that you decided to join us and you finished the whole podcast to hear all about the stories and lives and the experiences of our guests. I would like to just offer you right now an opportunity to continue to listen to us. You can always find us here at Anchor under the intersection, colon, Diverse Folks Converse, folks, F-O-L-X, or you can find us on YouTube under Dr. Shannon Wong Learner, L-E-R-N-E-R, YouTube channel. We also have a Facebook page, also under the intersection, Diverse Folks Converse, that you're welcome to join to find out all about upcoming episodes and guests. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.